Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. Following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Sydney, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. We are at the outset of one of the most turbulent periods of what Joseph Schumpeter termed creative destruction. New technologies such as artificial intelligence, virtual reality, blockchain, internet of things and big data will impact every organization and every job. The only way to survive this creative destruction is to be a part of it. In this episode's conversation, we take a closer look at the future of work and the entrepreneur with Dr. Natalia Nikolova, a senior lecturer in management at the University of Technology Sydney Business School and the director of UTS. Her research focuses on organizational practices, strategy, innovation and leadership and seeks to provide students, the business community and the public with a deeper understanding of the opportunities and challenges associated with working in the future. Entrepreneurship, innovation and the future of work, a Florence Guild conversation with Dr. Natalia Nikolova. We know how work is changing rapidly with all these new technologies arising and everybody's talking about um, the dangers of AI and robot, robots taking over our jobs. So what can we do to prepare ourselves for the changing nature of work? Um, so the key point there is to adopt a, what psychologists call a growth mindset. Uh, and we can translate it all as a, a, a mindset where people are open towards change and towards continuous learning. So what does this mean is that we have to move away from this assumption that uh, our life consists of learning for the first, let's say, 18 years, and then go to university, do a particular degree, and then this is your career. Um, and you will pretty much stay in that career for the rest of your life. You might change a few times, but you stay in the same area with the same skills. We have to move away from from these assumptions and from this way of life because the work is changing so rapidly now that, it, that we cannot assume that the skills and knowledge we have acquired earlier in our life will actually be relevant even five, ten years from now on. So um, this means that individual workers need to be open to constantly improving, to constantly acquiring new skills, developing um, their knowledge um, and open themselves to new experiences. So working with people from different backgrounds, um, try, trying um, new jobs, even new industries where they might not have any particular um, in-depth experience for this industry, but they, where they can utilize the more generic type of skills such as problem solving, critical thinking and all the soft skills that will help them to address new challenges. How are universities preparing their students for the future of work? Universities are also on the cusp of big disruption because of A, 
work is changing, which means that um, a degree that someone has completed might not be relevant in five years' time. What also is happening is uh, ubiquitous online learning uh, happening. So there's so many opportunities to, to do online courses from massive open online courses, the so-called MOOCs, to shorter courses, and there are new competitors moving into a space. For example, um, General Assembly, um, they started very small um, and then they've, they've grown significantly and they're offering short courses for starting from two hours um, to longer term three months long courses to even hold degrees. So we have a, there's a lot of competition um, happening um, for, to offer this new type of learning. So what universities need to do is they need to rethink their model as well of how they prepare uh, students for the future of work. And we have been thinking about this um, at UTS and I'm sure other universities are doing as well. So how do we move towards a more um, lifelong learning concept where we'll be offering students the opportunities to come back on a regular basis and update their skills um, uh, acquire new knowledge, acquire new experiences that will prepare them for the future of work. So in, in a nutshell, universities will need to move towards shorter um, degrees uh, and even defragment their degrees into smaller uh, courses that students will be able then to pick and choose from depending on their path and their career. Um, and then universities have to think about new business models. How do they make money out of this? Whether this will be some form of a subscription model um, for continuous learning, uh, whether uh, uh, they will be able to uh, enable students to build their own degrees and just provide some advice in the sense of what kind of subjects or experiences will fit together to prepare you for, for a particular type of industry or career for a while before you then need to move to the next one. So these are all of the things that are already happening um, at um, universities, at the UTS particularly, we're just introducing a new MBA or advanced MBA, which is it's much more, sh uh, which is a one-year intensive, and it's focus and it's got a very strong learner focus, enabling students to um, partly work with us on what their learning experiences will be, and it's a program that is co-developed, co-designed, and co-delivered with industry partners to make it relevant. So whatever is happening in the industry, we can um, teach uh, our students about. Um, this uh, about skills and changes in industry with the help of our industry partners so they prepare prepared for when they join when they finish their studies and they join um, industry or when they're ready for the next step um, they have relevant updated knowledge how can organizations foster a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship without losing sight of why they do well this is a very big question for many established organizations. So how do you continue to do well what you're doing and where you're making most of your money uh, while at the same time trying to disrupt um, yourself and bring in new products, new services or new ways to create value? So the, the question um, that is being termed in academic language is, is a paradox of managing exploit exploitation versus exploration. Um, so the key to this is um, building a culture of entrepreneurship or innovation. And a culture is not something that's very easy to build. So there are a few key ingredients that, will, that can help establish organizations 
um, to create such a culture of innovation, uh, but it's not going to be a, 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 a short process. It, it will take a while for organizations to get there. So some of the key aspects is first to start with the mission or with values that are oriented towards innovation. So where organizations have to be committed to support people trying new things rather than why should we do something differently? We've always done it this way type of a um, way of thinking. So starting with values that foster innovation, then putting structures in place that will support innovation. This particularly, this means uh, establishing roles um, that will um, support innovation. So there will be people whose particular role will be to work with others on uh, fostering innovation or, or helping identify new ways of doing things um, and also making people accountable and, and give them ownership of these new initiatives. This also has to do with incentives um, and accountability. So structure is very important and then is the process of innovation, adopting a specific process. Many organizations now are adopting a design thinking driven innovation process where you start from the needs of the customer and then think about what kind of products or services can you develop that will better meet the needs of the customer. Uh, but equally organizations can start from a tech-driven innovation process where they come up with a new technology and then see how this new technology can meet specific customer needs. So but a process has to be there and then this process has to also include how organizations will uh, financially support new initiatives. So for example, lean startup methodologies have been now adopted in large organizations. They come from entrepreneurial organizations, but now are increasingly adopted in large established organizations. Lean startup and quick failing, which means quick, short investment, uh, quick investments um, into particular new initiatives, see how they go, they might fail, learn from failure, then start again, um, and then move quickly. So this is the process of innovation. And I guess the, the, the most important ingredient of this innovation culture is the people. So having the right people who are passionate about innovation, who are willing to experiment. Not everybody has got that innovation mindset. As I previously said, we've, we, have, we are actually still coming from a world where we had the assumption is once you learn you, and you, you do a particular degree, you, you start a career, you stay there for longer. Uh, but we have to move. And so some people um, cannot quickly change. So it's very important to have the right people, people who have this growth mindset, innovation mindset, to give them the accountability and the opportunity to drive innovation. So I guess they're the, the four key ingredients, I would say, for an entrepreneurial uh, culture is uh, starting with values that support innovation, having the proper structures and roles, the innovation process, and then the people who can drive it. How can they develop an entrepreneurial, future-oriented mindset? Um, so I think this is the, uh, related to the questions we discussed earlier, is where people have to be open to new experiences um, and need to realize that it's not enough um, to rely on the skills and knowledge you have developed at some stage in your life. You need to continue learning, that, that aspect of continuous learning continuous experimentation um, and a entrepreneurial mindset also means that people need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. People need to be open to ambiguity and uncertainty 
and risk environment. So these are skills that we are not very good at, and I think we need to start very early on. And this is something as well that we're doing at universities where we are exposing students to work um, on life consulting projects with external organizations. So we put them in that very ambiguous, uncertain, real-life situation in which they both learn to apply the knowledge and skills they're developing their degree, but also they have a chance to take initiative uh, and um, see how they can deal with this ambiguous situation to come up with something that is of value. So that's part of the learning process. So the, the key part of the entrepreneurial mindset is to be open to change, open to learning, open to uncertainty and ambiguity, seeking even opportunities that will make you feel uncomfortable because you grow through these opportunities. And you, you teach yourself that it's not actually that scary to be put in these new situations where you need to do something completely different. And another part of the entrepreneurial upset, um, mindset is also uh, being very open to collaboration, working with people from diverse backgrounds um, and uh, learning how to accept other people's viewpoints and learning through, to work through different perspectives. And not always will this mean that people will agree with each other or, or reach a consensus, but it will mean still working productively towards a particular outcome. So that openness to collaboration, um, to experimentation with other perspectives and, and other people. What needs to change for Australian companies to become more innovative? Um, so we have done at UTS um, a study about two years ago when, where we interviewed 21 CEOs and chairs of boards of ASX 200 companies in Australia. It was an in-depth study, not a representative. Um, so we interviewed um, these 21 CEOs and chairs about the role of senior executives uh, in fostering innovation in Australia. Um, and the findings of this study were that uh, most of the CEOs and boards are actually quite risk averse. It has got a lot of um, a lot to do with short-term pressure from uh, share market, uh, but it also has to do with um, the, the mindset of our organizations are doing well enough, why should we risk, why should we invest in innovation, which is very risky. So one of the key insights from this study was that our boards and senior executive teams are not very diverse. Um, and there's a lot of research that shows that diversity is actually a key driver for being more open to innovation. So one of the first things that Australian companies could do in order to open themselves more towards innovation is to diversify their boards. And by that I mean um, gender diversity, but I also mean diversity from other minorities, uh, but also um, diversity by including, <coughs> excuse me, uh, including board members from different backgrounds. So most of the boards in Australian companies don't have people from a technical background who understand digital. Uh, and we know that digital technologies are disrupting every possible industry at the moment. And yet our companies cannot be prepared if they don't have people um, on top who understand how digital transformation is changing um, their company. So this is one of the first things um, that Australian companies need to do. Uh, and the second is um, the role of leadership in fostering that innovation culture I talked about previously is absolutely critical. Innovation, this innovation culture, even if you have the four ingredients that I mentioned previously, the values, um, structure, process and people there, if these values are not supported 
by the senior leadership team. If people in the organizations see that there is no real um, support uh, by the senior team, that's not going to work. The innovation culture cannot um, uh, survive or cannot emerge in an organization where the senior leadership is not fully committed. So um, research that um, my colleagues and I have done with a few companies uh, in Australia has clearly shown that that support by senior leadership team uh, where they they talk about the need to innovate, they provide financial incentives to innovate, they celebrate successes but also uh, failures uh, from innovation processes is absolutely critical in order to foster innovation. So they're probably two of the things that Australian companies can um, do rather quickly to start fostering a more innovative um, culture. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.